0: Listening to the Pros and Content podcast brought to you by Notch, the content intelligence platform. This episode is part of our Data-Driven Marketing Leader series, hosted by Notch co-founder and CEO Onda Gonska. In these interviews, we chat with CMOs, VPs, and others who are ahead of the curve when it comes to both content and data, and how they use both to move their businesses forward. We reveal really unique perspectives on the importance and intersection of measurement and content, as well as a ton of fun personal stories and career advice from these incredible leaders. Enjoy.
1: Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Data-Driven CMO Podcast. I'm really excited to have here today with me an amazing marketer who has a ton of experience in all realms of technology. Her name is Wendy, and she's the CMO of SailPoint. Welcome, Wendy. And uh, great to be here. So Wendy, I always like to get started with a bit of a personal story because everyone's journey to becoming a marketer is very personal. Some people landed it accidentally, some people choose it as a career very intentionally. So let's start by you sharing a bit of your story as to how you began your journey as a marketer.
2: Yeah, I have, you know, coming from China, I, in the early days, I've always been fascinated by consumer behavior. I had a chance to do an internship at AC Nelson back in the days, where, you know, I was actually serving as the interpreter between the clients and the AC Nelson side. The client sometimes it's a foreign national company operating in China and the AC Nelson team speaks in local Chinese to interview the focus groups which are all local people. So I end up being that interpreter role in the early days when I was at school and I found it fascinating the questions we ask during those market research studies and how that led to the clients to realize lots, lots of insights about their business that they never had knowledge about. And that got planted a seed in my mind about, you know, getting into market research and marketing seems to be a fascinating area. And upon graduation from graduate school, when I, you know, came to the States, I had the opportunity to join Microsoft as a, a marketing manager for the education department. But interestingly enough, I remember that day when I was shopping in Macy's trying to get myself this outfit to start my first day of the job. I got a call from a guy who said, Hey, I am your new manager. Your hiring manager was no longer here. And I don't have a job for you. Oh, well, I started my job in my outfit, but I didn't have a role. And it turned out to be the greatest thing actually happened to me because my manager was super open. He said, let's figure out what you want to do and what skill set you have that you can bring to the team. And thinking about all the options on the table and figuring out what are the other possibilities, I came up with the idea that I want to lead market research for Microsoft, the public sector team I was part of. And utilizing all the knowledge I gained from back in the days at AC Nelson, I was actually able to set that up as a new function. The the team never had that in the past. And I had the luxury of working with the team, the leadership, to figure out how we use data to gather insights and drive business decisions. That paved the way for me to always have this data-driven mindset starting the very early days of my career and to date I'm still benefiting from that route I started with.
1: Wow, that's a really good story. I have to tell you that as a fellow immigrant, I'm assuming you were pretty scared when you got that phone call as well because not having a safety net in this country and then being told that you have to rethink your whole job must have been intense. So kudos to you for getting creative
2: in that moment and kudos to the manager who allowed you to do that. Yeah, Um, thank you so much. It takes the courage to carve out the road for yourself where you can grow, right? But along that way, having that supportive mentor, manager makes a whole lot of difference. So we just always have to look for that.
1: Completely. I don't think I would be anywhere close to where I am if it hadn't been for, honestly, a bunch of really great women and men who along the way said, I'm, I'm here for you. And, you know, either I'll invest in you or I'll become your customer, or whatever it is. And it's that type of stuff that the dreams are made of. So that's awesome to there hear. There you go. Market research at Microsoft, was that a function
2: that existed there or did you kind of come up with it together with your manager? So being such a huge company, obviously there is the market research function that's at the corporate level, but there are Mm -hmm. so many departments within the company that it operate like its own entity. I was part of the public sector team back in the days and our team being you know one of the largest sales team essentially go to market function. We didn't have our own market research. So oftentimes we feel like being in public sector, the generic data that corporate mm-hmm. team would provide doesn't really speak to the unique needs of the public sector audience. So my job at back in the days was to figure out how do I partner with the corporate team to bring insights that's specific to our public sector territory. And that was you know quite exciting back in the days.
1: Well, this, this answer is so relevant to, I think, a, a problem and a friction area that actually exists at a larger level between marketing teams and data teams. And maybe it's kind of the same problem between data teams and business teams in general, but there's always something that's lost in translation between, you know, kind of a data team or a corporate team and then the actual needs and business KPIs and kind of the flavor of a particular division so I'm curious, have you seen that in, in in kind of your role now as CMO across the board? And if so,
2: how have you accounted for it? Yeah, this is a dilemma, I will say these days. It's either you have no data, you don't know where to start, or you have a ton of data, yet you still feel like something is missing. Why I still cannot make data-driven decisions. So finding the right balance about what is the data you need? And then what is the business problem you need to solve? I think it's critical to to level set from the get-go, right? At the end of the day, it comes back to what is the business problem you're trying to solve? What are the key questions you need to answer? And then from there, you can figure out, okay, what is the data I need so that I can figure out a way to put that data in place, then analyze the data to get insights, versus just look at the merit of all the data points you have surrounding you from all this different tech stack, from the different systems, from the vendors, from the media buys, all of that, without thinking what actually matters to my business decision, right? Then you easily get lost in that scenario. I think there could be another scenario where the team just, you know, if it's a newer business, let's say a startup they started without really thinking deeply on that data front that they didn't have a data plan to start with, right? In those cases, you still have to come back to, okay, if I'm going to start somewhere, what is the business question to answer? And then let's put that plan in place. Then mm-hmm. the rest will become much easier. Why do then, you think
1: uh, it happens so often that people don't start with a business question? They often start with something else like, what is the way in which our competitor is structuring their team? Maybe we should do it the same. Or what's the best practice? Like, why not start with a business question? It's so obvious.
2: I think sometimes there are different aspects people are looking at. Some people, they may just be like, let's say if it's a person in the business function, they're just looking at, for my little function, what is the best outcome I want to achieve? Versus someone looking at a bigger picture will say, okay, for the business, what matters most? Is it truly like, let's use pay media, for example. The pay media team will think, what is the best way I just you know want to optimize for the clicks? Number of clicks through our pay media ads, number of traffic we brought to the website. If we see increase in traffic in clicks, we call it a win. However, as a business stakeholder, I'll say, what does your pay media clicks generate? Does it truly generate all the revenue opportunities that matter to the business? Or does it just stay at the click level, right? Sometimes I may not need that many clicks, but if the clicks don't convert, it it doesn't matter at the end of the day. So I think you need to help people level set what is the role your function contribute to the larger business objective. If people, your team are all aligned, then it's easier for them to anchor upon the ultimate question we need to address versus all the sub-questions, right? If you stuck on the sub-question, then you may lose the big picture of Mm -hmm. that.
1: Yeah, I like the way you're phrasing this. I think, you know, what I'm hearing is that there's just a lot of power in the question that the senior management asks, because from that question, everything else flows, both the strategy and the sub questions, the KPIs, you know, everything else. So I think there's a lot of a lot of power in that. It's a good reminder. Tell me a bit about your experience. I know you've worked at Google Cloud and a bunch of other amazing companies. Tell me a bit about kind of the highlights of your experiences across these companies and maybe some of these important lessons that you've learned through these experiences. Yeah,
2: one of the things that keep staying with me is this equation. Know your customer, know your product, marry the two to make magic happen. So it's customer plus product equal magic. It's resonating with me on the level where I have seen it at Google, at SailPoint and Microsoft. As a marketer, we focus on customer and focus on deep understanding about our solution that will then lead you to do something amazing, right? So for example, in the early days of Google Cloud, when Gmail, Google, we're trying to establish Google as a business to sell into the enterprise. And when everyone sees Google as an ads business, it doesn't really translate to customers. What, Google, you have enterprise solutions? What do you mean, right? We said, well, we have services like the Gmails, the, the, the YouTubes, the Google Maps that you're already using in your personal life, but we're taking an enterprise spin on those to make sure those services doesn't work just for you in your personal life, but they can also work in the enterprise world. So what does that mean for them in terms of the value to those customers? The pain points to solve for them is they have to deal with a lot of the on-prem solutions. Back in the days when cloud computing was just starting, it's a nascent concept for them. So helping them understand the benefit of a Google type of service in the cloud, which means they can be more collaborative. They can save cost, They can make real time you know, um, changes on the same piece of work when the entire team can collaborate versus dealing with all the version controls. All of that becomes the magic moment that we can create for the customer. But obviously, you have to position in a way that you deeply understand why this product differentiates from your competitors. Back in the days, it was Microsoft Office, right? That was the incumbent. So helping people understand that is going to be hugely impactful. And I remember we worked with so many customers on their going Google stories. State of Wyoming, back in the days, was the first state that made the entire state gone Google, meaning all the state employees, they switched from office to Google. So that, I remember the governor was working with us on this campaign, Going Live campaign, and he specifically said, this allow us to better serve our citizens. Because now we can work more efficiently, more collaboratively, and we can do things we were never able to do in the past. And it helped us save our cost. So when you bring in those benefits down to what actually I realized for the customers, that really make me feel super proud of what we were able to achieve. And that is a magic moment for me. And to date mm-hmm. that stay with me, right? Like at point, we had our solution, it's the leading provider in the whole industry. And we had so many customers that you know feel like we are really a game changer for them. So when you have those things combined, that really makes marketing's job very meaningful and rewarding. I love that. I,
1: I was thinking as you were telling the story about the state of Wyoming that it must have been funny to move from Microsoft to Google and to basically then tell stories about Winning business away from Microsoft, (laughs) but the point is that at the end of the day, customer stories are gold, right? Like when you have a customer actually saying things like that, and they kind of do your work for you, and all you have to do is just make sure you amplify their voice. Since that's such an important, you know, part of your of your work at SailPoint, I'm curious, how do you guys think about surfacing those customer stories? And as you know, we're passionate about content. You know, how, how do you think about Bringing that content to market?
2: Yeah, that's a great one. Oftentimes, we generate great customer stories, and we were like, How can we make sure more people see it? Right? The, the program we have done successfully at SailPoint is we um, we established this identity champion program where um, we identify specific customers that are really finding lots of value in their utilization of SailPoint services and solutions. And we, instead of us, beating our own drum, we say, you know, let us help you tell the story through your own voice. And you will tell the story both internally to our internal stakeholders and externally to your peers and the network and the community we're all part of. In this case, I'm going to just use Home Depot as an example. Home Depot has been a longtime successful customer with SailPoint. They're the leader for their identity business. He's been a strong advocate for SailPoint in many ways. And he essentially sees the value that SailPoint is a game changer for his business. And he realized there is a lot of lever we can utilize to make sure His stakeholders within Home Depot understand the value his team together with SailPoint bring to Home Depot. So they generated some internal campaigns to socialize the success they have seen from SailPoint in terms of how many hours they were able to save, you know, the cost saving aspect, the risk mitigation aspect of all these benefits. But the things don't stop just internally, right? So we work with him on a campaign where we broadly socialize his success and his team's success through the entire network, customer network of SailPoint. He came to speak at our annual conference and he also, you know, went on some other campaigns with us to broadly publicize his success. And by doing all of this, the internal stakeholder sees the value. But also, we've generated a lot of interest in asking us, hey, if Home Depot can do this, what can we do to get the same success? At the end of the day, it's not just about SailPoint, our solutions. It's about what is the success we can create for our customers. Going back to that, you know, know your customer, know your product, and then you can make the magic happen. It boils down to the root about how we socialize the content to help more customers be successful.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. It's a good story. I'm curious if you can take us kind of one level deeper, whether within SailPoint or previous experience. How have you seen successful content teams actually work? You know, we talked about data and the importance of starting with the, the strategic question. I think, you know, content similar to data is a function that sometimes gets lost and, and it gets lost in the same way because it doesn't often align with the business. A lot of teams actually hire content leaders from outside of the brand world and from kind of the media world. And so anyway, there's, there's quite a bit of work that we've seen our customers have to go through to actually align their content team with the business to create a structure for the content team to do well. So I'm curious, how have you guys at SailPoint or in previous roles thought about creating this this team and organizing it?
2: Yeah, some of the successful practice I have experienced, um, you know, it always starts with defining the goal for the content. What are we trying to achieve by creating specific content? Is it to increase the brand awareness? Is it to help drive the demand? Is it to help customer adopt our solution faster? Right. On which dimension are we trying to achieve the goals? That's the number one. Number two is. Who is your audience? Who do you want to target for the specific content? As marketers, we often say, oh, who's your ICP? So in this case, who would be the consumption, the, the person to consume the content? Is it a C level? Is it a developers? Is it practitioners? And that will determine the altitude the content would focus on where it, you know, the type of content you can create. And then the content creation process, once you define the goal, is the audience itself requires a lot of collaboration across the marketing teams. It oftentimes starts with our product marketing function, really providing, you know, what is the messaging foundation? What are the customer's problems based on the ICP you're addressing? Those are the key things we need to address. Then it comes to, you know, what is the uh, form factor of the content? Are we talking about video? Are we talking about podcast? Are we talking about an interactive demos or some interactive digital asset we can do, right? Then you figure out once all of that is put together, then you start to think about what is the placement strategy? Where should that content show? Is it on the internal website only? Is it via the sales reps? Is it direct comms with customers? Where should we maximize the visibility of the content to make sure it's landing in the people we want to go after? And then oftentimes, this is the, the last piece. It's what people sometimes forget about is to measure the outcome of the content. What is the performance we have achieved? And knowing this is not something super easy because marketing doesn't operate in single links. Everything is intertwined. It's oftentimes hard to say, oh, we are successful because of this piece of content, right, delivered this much outcome. But to what extent can you still measure the effectiveness of the content Can you track its uh, traffic metrics? Can you track the engagement metrics? Can you track what's the next level of action that is triggered by this content engagement? And can you track what type of people consume the content? So all of that, well then, if you do this consistently across all the content you generate, then you naturally start to formulate some lessons learned on this type of content work for this type of audience in this kind of setting, with this kind of format, right? And that allows you to then build a strategy to iterate, build a robust content strategy across the board for all the programs we try to do.
1: I love that answer. And obviously, as you know, content measurement is very close to our hearts. You're right, it's such a difficult thing to do, but increasingly more important as more and more brands are becoming media companies and using their website as a mechanism to, to bring in people, to bring in customers. So tell me a little bit about how you think about the customer journey. The marketers are very opinionated about this. Some people like the notion of a funnel. Some people hate the notion of a funnel. How, how have you seen this done well in, in the past? And how are you thinking about it at SailPoint?
2: The customer journey is, let's just focus on the enterprise B2B space where we operate within because um, B2C can be a bit different, right? in the b2b space the customer journey is going through some evolution in the past few years as i have noticed in the past you know gartner has some studies shown customers you know they spend a lot of time with sales reps to get acquainted to learn about a product and sales close a deal with them move on right but these years especially triggered by covid a lot of things become digitized And customer's journey itself, it's evolving in the sense that they may not be spending as much time with sales as they used to. Instead, they're spending so much time on their own within their own community, trying to learn about a product, learn about new solutions, get insights, do comparison. And then until when they get comfortable, they don't engage sales. But when they do engage sales, the deal cycle goes much faster. And, you know, sales, you know, the, the deal cycle, it's accelerated, win rate, it's increased when when you do have such a customer who's well-prepared. And then marketing has an active role to play in that early part of the deal, which is how can we meet customer where they are, right, in their mm-hmm. life, in their learning journey? Can we predict the kind of information they want to gather and really made it hand, easily available to those customers and help them acquire that knowledge along the way? So that's the front part of before deal gets closed. But then as, you know, customers continue, right? And especially in the SaaS world, our job doesn't stop when a deal is closed. There is so much expansion, continuation. It's almost like an infinite loop that we're talking about. Customer become a prospect once again, once they hit the next phase of their life cycle with us. So how can you continue to engage them, help them adopt faster, help them realize the value, time to value faster, and then help them think about what's next on their journey with you to win bigger success for them. And at the end of the day, right, if you do this continuously with a customer, you're going to build that lifelong relationship with them. Ultimately it's this customer-centric piece that will guide a journey to ultimately make your business successful.
1: I like the idea that you know the customer kind of does a lot of this, not selling, but I guess researching, you would call it on on their own. And to your previous answer around content, I think that's really where content plays such an important role,
2: right? Because it's essentially your salesperson exactly for the salesperson. The role marketing can actively play. Right? We're not just mm-hmm. advertising or press or release. We're really um, creating a learning journey for our customers to engage with them in the early days, as as long as as well as um, continuing with them throughout the entire life cycle.
1: I think that you know, following this point, there is a real argument to be made that marketing has become a lot more important over the last three years since everything has become digital and in particular in software and kind of enterprise sales, marketing is more and more important. That being said, I don't know what you're seeing, but I'm seeing a lot of marketers' budgets get cut. You know, times are complicated. The whole Silicon Valley bank situation, I think made tech even more nervous than they were before. So I'm curious, what are you seeing? How are you thinking about the next 12 to 24 months and about your industry and about your plan and, you know, and
2: any sort of insight that you can give us? I will just say this. Uh, marketing is in this very interesting position where I see us being the liaison between a customer and our own company, right? That's from an outside world of the view. We have the benefit of really have deep understanding about what the customer's pain points are and what is our business strategy is. So how can we mirror the two? While oftentimes marketing looked as, oh, this is just something not a must-have, it's a nice to have. I I do argue that marketing is a must-have, especially in the more and more competitive world and where budget gets tighter. If we can play a very strategic role to position marketing as the growth engine for the business, I think that's going to be a huge win because we have the role to play where we really challenge the business in the sense that we represent a customer's voice. We have deep understanding through all of our interaction and look at all the digital footprints customers are interacting with us. We can have a viewpoint on those are what customers are actually needing, what they're looking for. And then we position this question to the internal business, say, how can we meet those customers where they are, going back to that point, right? And then if we can drive the business from the standpoint where they can form the strategy to meet the customer's needs by providing the right technology and also formulating the right go-to-market strategy to sell that solution or services to eventually help the customer meet their needs... I think we're going to be a business growth driver, accelerator, if you will, in that sense, versus being just a cost center of marketing's placing the ads. But there is a reason why we're placing the ads because the ads will amplify the awareness about our solution. It will help drive new acquisitions for the business, right? Versus not doing that in a proper way. So there are so many dimensions we can go, but at the end of the day, I boil it down to we're in the strategic position where we drive the growth of the business by deep understanding the customer's needs in the market, where that market is going.
1: Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate the answer. Final question for you, going back to your personal story. There's a lot of marketers who are listening to this who are coming up through the ranks, different teams. Some are performance marketing, some are in content. What is your advice to them as they continue to build out their careers, especially at a time like this when, you know, there's so much uncertainty, there's a lot of pressure on marketing to prove ROI. What should they be thinking about and doing?
2: You know, there is always some of the saying that, are you a brand marketer? Are you a demand gen marketer? Are you a product marketing marketer? You know, whatever branch of it. I say any way you choose, there is nothing wrong with it. Or you say, I want to be a a jack-of-all-trade. That's also fine, right? But you probably need to ask yourself in the beginning of your marketing journey is, where do I want to see myself? Do I want to become a specialist with deep expertise in one specific domain? Or do I want to grow myself into a marketing generalist down the road? And depending on which direction you want to go, you then have a lot of deep learning you can go into right? If you want to become a product marketer, then going deep on the product knowledge and knowing how product marketing work, it's going to be critical. If you say, I want to become a demand gen marketer, then having a data-driven mindset, really understand deeply how we drive revenue for the business and how marketing ties to that revenue engine, it's going to be critical. Then, There is also the dimension of a lot of new marketing development these days. Smart technology, it's a super hot area. How can you make sure no matter which direction you go, you always keep in mind that I need to stay current based on the latest development like this chat GPT thing. How am I going to be thinking about it, using it to my advantage no matter which direction I I, I follow? That is going to make sure that you develop the domain expertise you stay current, and you kind of have a growth roadmap for yourself. And obviously, asking for help, asking for mentors, you know, other experienced or marketer, or, or even people outside of the marketing function, how do we grow this together, it's going to be critical along the way.
1: I love that answer. I love that you brought it back to mentors, which is how the conversation started with your story. There you uh, go. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for such a, I think, inspiring conversation, but also just filled with a lot of nuggets of wisdom and really great lessons for everyone listening. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk
2: today. Thank you, Anda, for having me. It's a great joy.
0: Thanks for listening to Data Driven CMO. Take a moment to subscribe so you can drop in on future conversations with CMOs who are ahead of the curve in content and data, using both to move their businesses forward. Learn more how the right data can reveal your organization's true audience journey at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H dot And thanks for listening.